Overlooking Phoenix, from high above in the Star Worldwide Network Studios, Badge Boys. Stories, insight, guests, and true blue humor with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. And now, here they are, the Badge Boys. Welcome back to another edition of the Badge Boys, the show where two retired cops talk to the community. I'm retired Crime Stopper Sergeant Darren Birch, and unfortunately, not in studio, is retired Phoenix Police Officer Jason Schechterly. Uh, but I am joined for the purpose of this intro, uh, before I get into our headline guests, uh, I am joined by Brandon Griffith and Ron Rufo, both prior guests on the Badge Boys, because Brandon, you have an event coming up, do you not? Absolutely, sir, and you and Rock and Robin are part of that. I know, that's why, Yay. yeah, I, I'm completely whoring myself to, to ha- do this <laughs> promo, big time. Uh, tell us what this is, where and when, and how people can get involved. Absolutely, one of the things our nonprofit has is a lot of people that want to support us and phenomenal authors like yourself and Dr. Rufo here and Robin. So we wanted to do an event to kind of highlight law enforcement authors and bring attention to the nonprofit and the community. So uh, next Saturday on June 24th at the Hilton Phoenix at the Peak, we're going to be having a Cops Coffee and Books event where we're going to have local authors, law enforcement authors. We're going to have some speakers. We're going to have a silent auction, a raffle, coffee tasting, a bunch of good times. And for all those listeners that outside the greater Phoenix area, because we, we have a lot of fans in Chicago and, and L.A. and so forth, this is Phoenix area that this is at phoenix area it's gonna be the hilton phoenix at the peak right here in phoenix arizona all right um and i hope you guys stick around we have a great guest uh it's a sad story albeit tragic uh, but it's also kind of uplifting inspiring this the strength of a mother who lost her child 20 years ago um lindsey chainhalt was murdered um, shot up in a road rage situation where she's just trying to get out of the area and was killed again 20 years ago today. And the mother not only is fighting to help solve this crime by telling the story and going through Crime Stoppers and Silent Witness, but she's also fighting for her own life um, with a kidney failure. So it's just going to be a riveting story. I hope you guys stick around and listen to that. And we'll be right back with Judy Peterson. More stories, inside guests, and true blue humor coming up on Badge Boys. We'll be back right after this. If you like the Badge Boys, you'll love their books. Starting with Burning Shield, the Jason Schechterly story, which Arizona Diamondbacks president Derek Hall proclaimed, Jason is an inspiration and his story must be read and shared. The professionally written novel is a powerful biography chronicling Jason's gut-wrenching battle to health after being trapped in a fireball that consumed his police car and his high-stakes legal showdown against the Ford Motor Company for their explodingly lethal Crown Victoria police cruisers. Then there's Darren's award-winning Twisted But True book trilogy with close to 100 compelling and funny true crime stories that American detectives with Lieutenant Joe Kenda producer called the perfect blend of humor, heroism, and honor. And retired Colonel Dave Grossman declared, Darren's twisted but true books are hilarious, deep, and powerful. Each book in the series received the Pinnacle Award for the best true crime book, and a story from book two was featured on an ID Channel television show. And Robin's most recent book, Soul Stirrings, reviewed as an often humorous and spiritually uplifting story of a widow's soul-searching pilgrimage to the afterlife. 
Darren called it a love story, a ghost story, an investigative story. It's a story like no other. And Robin's first book, Victim No More, where she shares her harrowing experiences with rape and domestic violence as Robin takes the reader on a very personal journey through the morass of abuse and loss, and ultimately, survival. These Badge Boy books should be on everybody's top 10 reading list. You're listening to Badge Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now, back to the Badge Boys. The reason I like talking about Crime Stoppers is because my next guest, Judy Peterson, and her daughter, Lacey, are here to talk about Lindsay and the murder that occurred 20 years ago today. And how we can solve it is by telling the story and by people out there telling the story. And someone is going to hear this story and they know what happened. And they just haven't come forward to talk about it. But now they can 20 years later. So without further ado, um, Judy, I cannot thank you enough for being here and doing this. But I want to kind of go through the crime a little bit and then have you tell me about Lindsay, the person. Lindsay was 20 years old. It was June 14th, 2003. It was very early in the morning. They had, were coming back from a party. Lindsay was the designated driver. She's driving her boyfriend and two other friends in the car. Some type of traffic altercation occurs with a dark blue SUV. And there's, unfortunately, name calling back and forth between the guys. It's a guy thing, I think, unfortunately. Lindsay's driving and she's being pursued by these maniacs in this dark blue vehicle to a point where she goes into, a, unfortunately, a dead-end area. She's trying to turn back around, and they end up shooting her car 19 times. Can you tell me about Lindsay, who she was as that young 20-year-old girl? She was a determined from a child. She was a very determined. Um, child and it followed her through uh through her early adult years and um and she was very strong and motivated and she'd been through a lot as her sister had losing her brother um i think that gave them both um made them grow up a little bit faster yeah because some of the innocence was gone and when you talk about losing their brother can you tell us a little bit about ryan and and just what that was three years before Lindsay died um ryan was skateboarding with friends and was hit and killed by a car oh. he suffered a devastating brain injury and uh we had him on life support until his father could get here from colorado and and um but he was, there was no brain activity. So this is already a family hurting from a loss. And now on June 14th, three years um, later, she is a student. Uh, nursing, was it? Yeah, she was going to uh, Paradise Valley Community College to get her prereqs out of the way. And she wanted to pursue um, either nursing or some kind of a medical profession. Gotcha. Wanted, she, she had this loving heart, caring heart. I think of her as a first responder kind of, you know, mentality and wanting to help um, because she's the designated driver. So well, it was her car, so nobody was going to drive her car. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> but she was the designated driver. They she were, was. They, they had a few beers, drinks. She was, they had. You know, they had. so 
as she's driving, this occurs. How do you get notified that this horrible thing has occurred? Well, Lacey actually was the first one. The perfect time to introduce Lacey. Tell us about how you were informed what happened to your sister. Um, well, we were close in age, so we were both young at the time. And I think I was just getting home as well from being out with friends. And uh, the phone in our bedroom rang, which was our own number. I was getting ready to yell at whoever was calling so late. Um, and it was the hospital. So that was... And that was the first time you yeah, heard Yeah, all we were really told initially was that there was an accident and we needed to get there. So. And Judy, when's the first time that you had contact with the police that told you kind of like what I just said to the audience today? When's, when did that occur? We... Um, well, when, when Lacey got the call, it was the chaplain at Good Samaritan Hospital. And um, they wouldn't tell me or her what exactly had happened. They just said they were asked to notify us. So, of course, we get there as quickly as we can. And, um, and they put us in the room, I'll call it, because we were in a similar room when Ryan died. And the minute that happened i knew that wasn't good the it was quiet room they call it the quiet room the yeah and not long after that the doctor came in and said that she was shot once in the head and he was sorry um so you know my first response was to lacy's reaction you know so i grabbed her and um and I said, who, she was shot? Who shot her? Where are the police? And the doctor said, they're here, but I hadn't seen any of them. And um, so it was shortly after that that a, an officer uh, walked up to me and, you know, told me they thought it was road rage shooting and gave me a card. And I remember looking at it, and it was the detective's card, and it said homicide, and I was like, homicide? I mean, it was still, I was still not processing yeah. um, completely yet. In the fog. Yeah. And um, we couldn't have anticipated that um, no. happening to her in any, in any situation. Hearing the words that that had occurred was sh very shocking to us because she just never would have been in a scenario to be in that situation. Yeah. She, I hate to use the word true victim because it d diminishes other victims, but it, it's true. She was just a good girl going to school, designated driver, um, wrong place, wrong time, around the wrong people yeah. in this other vehicle. And it could have been anybody. Had she gone five miles per hour faster or slower, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> and I can't wrap myself around. And having had a loss, I haven't had that kind of loss. And unless you're a parent of a murdered child, you just don't, can't understand what you're going through. Having said all that, we've been in touch since, oh my gosh, 2008, Eight. Um, when I was a Crime Stopper Sergeant, and you were the first person I met, and we were trying to do things together, get the story out, because even then I was, you know, and we, yeah, I had a great um, predecessor, uh, he's now the Miracle County Sheriff, Paul Benzone, right. and, and so I had a good person to teach me, it's all about getting the story out, and we do have more information than I put out because through the years, the different detectives um, have, again, kept trying to work this case. I hate using the word cold case 
homicide, but that's what people refer to it as, that's what people know it as. But there's nothing cold about this in the sense that year after year we do the anniversaries. Uh, there's the, any chance we can get to tell the story, right? right? Absolutely. And now the person of interest is Ricardo Sanchez Moneris, as known as Bucho. Is that Bucho? Can you tell me when they first heard about his possible, we call him person of interest? Um, shortly after it, the crime occurred, um, people were calling and giving, giving, telling the police, you know, I know something. And so they would show them pictures. Initially, um, they were calling this guy Bucho. And the pictures that they were identifying actually lined up with the name of Francisco Lopez. Oh. And what had happened was three months before her murder, there had been a raid at a gang house. And um, there were some illegals there. Well, at that time, all they did was take their pictures, ask them their names, and let them go. And he had given a fake name. So the names that were coming into the police, they couldn't AKAs. do anything with. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until 2009 when William Shiro was the detective on the Good case. Man. And he um, was able to identify them through facial recognition imaging. Gotcha, gotcha. And the photos that he was able to identify them with, unfortunately, were deportation photos. And let me... So they had fled to Mexico, but come back and were caught. But at that time, they weren't... Processed. They weren't... Yeah, the police didn't know who their real names were at the time. And just to kind of go back a little bit, we were talking about at the time of the crime, we're looking at three Hispanic males in a blue SUV. Black or blue. Black or blue. Thank you for that distinction. And so now we have this possible lead of um, Ucho and then Furman Gomez. Furman Gomez. Um, And again, they're not saying positively 100% this is suspect, but... They believe they're persons of interest that can further the investigation. So at this point, of the, they want to refer to them as persons of interest. What's significant is one of these individuals is dead now. Yes. Ucho. And so now if there's someone out there that hears this story, knows the story, but was afraid. Because we always talk about why isn't someone coming forward to say who it was definitively. You know, Because bad guys have girlfriends. Bad guys have ex-girlfriends. And someone out there knows something, but they might be afraid. And they're murderers. Right. They have a reason to be afraid, unfortunately. So, but Crime Stoppers, whether it's in Chicago, Silent Witness in Arizona, is all about anonymity. And that's the strength of that type of program, is that anonymity. And now the strength is not just the anonymity, but one of these people is dead. You don't have anything to worry about. Come forward. Mm-hmm. If you could talk to someone, um, an ex-girlfriend, an ex, uh, a family member, a neighbor, somebody that was part of this, these trio of shooters with semi-assault weapons that shot up that car 19 times, sadly killing Lindsay, injuring the, her boyfriend, correct? Injuring everyone else. Everyone else was injured as well. Yeah. Um, what would you say to the person that has knowledge that could help solve this crime? 
it's, I mean, it's a loaded question for us. I mean, 20 years has gone by. You've learned many tools over those years, right, to kind of live with what's happened to your loved one. And I think that um, in the end, we win. It's 20 years later, and we still get to talk about her and tell her story, and people are still interested. So that's already a win and a justice for her. Um, I think that that kind of, holding that kind of information can eat you alive. I mean, even having a small little white lie for most of us will be something that's enough to, to kind of change some character. So I think I've aged and grown over the years, right? And you, you learn what's real and what's true. And I just hope that there's someone on that side of it that is ready to lift a burden um, and sees the power in um, giving that gift and paying that forward. Yeah, so. is, is someone who has a heart, even the smallest, that's lived with this for 20 years as well with the knowledge and didn't say anything, they can unburden that, that pain of keeping it secret. Right. Just to have to know that you can do so anonymously. Even if you do it for yourself. Yeah, I mean, exactly. even if it's a, a way to let go and move on. I mean, we've had to see the power in that over the years of letting go without any conclusions. So, so that's the only hope beyond that. I don't really know what to say to to that aspect. To that person out right. there. You, you gotta do it, you have to do it. Um, talk about the highs and lows over this 20 year period, because you've gone through different detectives um, and hearing the word cold case, that's gotta hate to even, when that went to that point. It did, it, it did, even though at the time, um, silent witness, Sergeant Paul Penzo, um, you know, explain to me that, you know, this is a good way to get new eyes on the case. And they're, they're devoted to these cases. Not like, you know, every murder that comes in every day and somebody's got to run out and, you know, forget about this murder and go to another murder. Um, so it was, it was hard at first, but the cold case unit was amazing. And I think it's, it's, awful that it was ever disbanded. I don't know how in a large city like Phoenix that you wouldn't have a cold case unit, especially with the number of murders that occur here. Yeah, what, what you're referring to is during the time of the, um, the 2020 riots, a lot of the funding and so forth, a lot of the mm -hmm. funding went to training, but it also went to these special units like cold case units. Um, that was one of the biggest cries that law enforcement had collectively across the country is is how can you use that word and say you care about people when you're disbanding things like the cold case unit yeah so what they end up doing is just holding back a few detectives that already had a caseload and in city of phoenix it's not you know, it's fifth largest city you know we average 300 murders a year practically so you have a caseload and now you're also going to work these cold cases well that's disingenuous you're not going to be able to actually work that right right um, talk about that anger of watching news and hearing the word defunding. And was there that connection for you even? I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, no, it was, um, like I said, I just thought it was awful. And I immediately, um, Detective William Shira was the detective on the cold case unit that 
that had Lindsay's case from, I believe it was 2009 until he retired. And um, um, I got in touch with him right away. He was getting ready to retire at the time. And so he turned me over to uh, the, the cold case manager or whoever he was, Troy Hillman. And they were kind enough, him and the current detective, uh, to meet with me in person and explain how things were going to be handed over. And since then, and the police department has always done an incredible job of staying in touch with me and being there if I'm calling them and I have a question or or I've heard something or, or whatever. They've, they've always been amazing. Um, and so the detective that came off of cold case um, is still working, Lindsay's murder now. And I just spoke to him yesterday. So, um, you know, the highs and lows since her death have been, you know, her not seeing her sister get married. And her not seeing, you know, her nephews. Um, those are the things that really hit hard with me, you know. Um, There's been a shift. I mean, 20 years is a long time, right? We're coming to a you know, spot where we've now lived just as much life without her as we did with her. Um, I think that when you go through loss when you're young, speaking from my own perspective, um, you're ushered through the changes in your life. And you don't honestly have the tools to deal with it. So you just, you, you move on, you move forward. Later, as you develop those tools, um, you kind of revisit things like grief and especially things you experience when you're younger. And, you know, I've told my mom this before, I, I miss them now more than I did when you initially first lose them. And that's also because of situations in our life and in managing my mother's illness on my own and having that feel ever present that she doesn't get that experience with all of her children. Um, the same with all of the things that I've experienced and would have, you know, loved to have a sister or brother there for. So it shifts and it changes, but it's also something that's, you know, kind of beautifully wrapped up in who we are as well. Yeah. And what does um, it kill you makes you stronger. Thankful for the spirit that it's instilled in my mom yeah. and that she's still remained present with with the rest of the people in her life, whereas a lot of people would just you appreciate each other. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's it's just it's beyond words. But it's different. So yeah. um, you mentioned your mother's um, condition. Can you talk a little bit about that, Judy, in terms of um, the dialysis? And because we ask a lot from you. We do. And, and Crime Stoppers, you know, we say, can, you know, this is anniversary. This is a day having had a loss. I know that day's horrible. You just want to lay in bed. And here we come to you and we ask you, can you come out and talk? Can you, you know, and we're doing it for the right reasons, but we know it's breaking your heart. It's a horrible day to talk about. Um, and now you have your own medical condition, concerns, challenges. Uh, can you talk about that in terms of, um, you, I heard you say something that really hit home with me. It's like, I lost two children. I can make it through this. Talk, talk about that. It, it really is the first thing that came to my mind when, when that doctor, and luckily my husband was there with me that day, 
at that appointment, and our biggest decision was, you know, where we were going to eat Mexican food when we were done with the appointment. And when he looked at me and said, your kidney is failing and the only safe place for you is the hospital, I I was, you know, both of us were so shocked. And Out of left field. And out of left field. Yeah, I felt fine. I had no idea there was one thing wrong with me. And, uh, you know, so, but of course I'm crying and he's crying and, you know, we're, you know, then of course he stiffens up right away. He's like, we're going to get through this. And, and on the way, first of all, the doctor wasn't going to let me leave. He was going to make me walk, go straight across the street to the hospital. But since I had Randy with me, he allowed us to go ahead and go back home until they could get a room ready. And, um, we were driving home and it was really quiet and I looked at him and I said, I can, I can do this. I said, it's nothing worse than losing my kids. And he just grabbed my hand. He goes, I know, I know. He goes, well, we'll get through it. Don't worry. Don't worry. And then the first person I called, of course, was Lacey. And, um, you know, and as hard as today is, you say that, but it's also my youngest grandson's birthday. So to have had a birth on the ninth anniversary of Lindsay's death was pretty special. Like she's watching, looking down. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me yes. about that, Lindsay. Um, it was kind of interesting how it happened for us because um, I was a scheduled C-section for my second son, and um, they originally gave me that date kind of as a scheduled, and it, I said, absolutely not. No. <laughs> Why would I do that? And um, kind of, as we talked about it more, um, there's not often an opportunity to kind of wash away some healing. Some healing, yeah. yeah. And he's definitely um, got some spirit of his aunt. He does. Um, if any, really if either does. of my kids have um, that, it's him. Um, and we like to think that that's you know by design. And he's he knows now. He's old enough to know that. And. My kids both are very supportive to their grandma as far as that goes and her loss for them. And they mm. talk openly about their aunt and uncle. And that's been a great connection um, to merge both worlds for them as well. So, yeah, he's a 11 today and a spitfire. Happy <laughs> yeah, happy birthday to him. And so, yeah, it's been, um, you know, there's still time to grieve and have that, but that's a little bit of. But you also that. have time to celebrate yeah. in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I can't help but think there's probably a GoFundMe because it's a beautiful world that we have. There's a lot of people that truly care. Yes. And if somebody doesn't know about the crime, they may be connected to, like, want to give, want to help. Definitely. So we've, um, I've helped my mom set up a GoFundMe for her kidney transplant. It's been a long road. We've had some bumps um, and other diagnosis after her initial renal failure diagnosis that have put some halts to it. Um, we had a, a little cancer bump that we had to get out of the way. And when that happens, you have to remain two years cancer free before you're reconsidered for transplant. And let me know that. You so that, that was really hard. Mark. That was hard for us and kind of, you know, a long road that's now been tackled and we're back on the road to transplant. Good. So being that just cost in medical care are insurmountable anyways and in everything that they've incurred thus far um transplant costs out of pocket are 
pretty intense. So um, yeah, we just want to offer a way for people who know and love her to support her through that process. And I just, I'd love to give them any sort of preview can, even if it's just in the form of donations, or even if you can't donate, if people want to stop by the page and give um, some loving words of encouragement, because I know so many people do reach out to her on a regular basis, then we're, we have that set up. Um, it's so, under her name, Judy. Um, if you search it, it's Judy's Kidney Transplant. Um, J-U-D-I. Yes, and you should see a photo of my mom and I pop up. Um, and I'd like to you know, share a hyperlink so that we Please. can um, get the people directly to it, absolutely, whatever you need as well. Absolutely, share that so. as well on our, our homepage. And, okay. and for those who want to you know, look, in, it's Judy, J-U-D-I, Peterson, P-E-T-E-R-S-E-N. I'm not sure if it registered under both names, but I know that the, and I have a actual hyperlink, but I know that it's under Jenny, Judy's kidney transplant. Judy's so kidney hopefully it's transplant. pretty easy to search um, gotcha. as far as that goes too. Tell me in closing, um, how close you are to your mom. Um, you know, well, I was born on her birthday. See, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. we're both the July 4th babies. Oh, so I think someone upstairs. Both cancers. Yeah. I think someone knew some of the journey we were going to take together. And um, we're really lucky to have remained close over the years, even though I have lived away. And even currently, we live on separate sides of the city. Um, and it hasn't changed our bond. I'm lucky to have someone who's ever present for me as I try to be for her. I'm also so grateful for her husband. Um, to have someone supporting you through something like this is so pivotal, and I haven't always been able to be that person. And um, so he's he's just amazing, and an amazing grandfather as well to my kids. So. And the last question I have for you, Judy, if you had to give somebody advice, because you've gone through hell, you know, Ryan, Lindsay, you know, this um, medical condition, um, what would you say to someone that is going through some challenges, some adversity, as far as being strong and having faith and hope? What do you do to stay strong like you are? I think you have to, I think whenever you're faced with a tragedy or a challenge, you have to reach deep down and rely on your inner strength and your faith and look to the future. You, you can't live in the past. You can't let, you can't get stuck after something like that and not be able to move forward because then you miss the beautiful things that are to come like her Owen. and the grandkids and you know, we've got another grandkid on the way. Uh, Randy's son and Aww. his wife have a baby due in September. So there's always something to look forward to, and there's always something to live for. And you have, but you have to find it, and you have to reach for it, because otherwise, it can take you down. Yeah. And I know there are people that it has, and and I couldn't let that happen. Again, especially after, you know, my son's, my son's death was caused by an accident, and I can forgive an accident. I can't, and I will not forgive a murder. And I remember telling my first detective this, I'm not going to let them win twice. 
they're not going to take my life. They're not going to take That's Lacey's great advice. life. I you know, love that. And I'm not going to let them win twice. Oh, I love that. That I've never even thought about that aspect. Yeah, they, they, they hurt you. We're not going to let them continue to hurt us. I love that. That's a perfect way to end this. I cannot thank you both enough. If you want to give one last time the, uh, the Judy Kidney. Um, yeah, do you want me to read an actual link? Um, I'm going to hyperlink it to you. I also wanted to just touch on the fact that we are asking people, if they're open to it, to um, check out the Mayo Donor Registry. Thank you. Um, for living donors. Kidney transplant list can be anywhere from three to five years um, for a deceased donor. So in my mom's scenario with extensive blood pressure issues and, and her fistula issues and just different things that are um, highlighted more in the GoFundMe page. Um, she is more at risk, and we're hopeful that there's people out there that um, can give that gift of life, of life. or that are interested in, in donation as well as um, donation to her cause. So Love it. Love yeah. it. Thank you so much. We'll get that hyperlink for you so we can have okay. it on, on our network. Well, that wraps it up. What a powerful interview. We will be right back with... Cops and Robin. More stories, inside guests, and true blue humor coming up on Batch Boys. We'll be back right after this. During these challenging days, we not only need to remember our many fallen heroes for their ultimate sacrifice, but also honor them so their families know we've not forgotten. And that's what the Arizona Fallen Hero Memorial Riders Organization is all about. Each year, the nonprofit organizes three memorial rides among the beautiful backdrop of North, South, and Central Arizona with the proceeds going to the 100 Club of Arizona. Learn more about these fun rides and how you can honor all of Arizona's fallen heroes at ArizonaFallenHeroesMemorialRiders.org. You're listening to Badge Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now, back to the Badge Boys. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, again, wow, what an interview with uh, Judy Pearson and her daughter, Lacey. They are two of the most remarkable young ladies I've ever met. Would you agree, Robin? I would agree. And, you know, it's tough because, like she was talking about, not only is she dealing with the loss of her daughter and no answers to get this solved for her, but losing her son. Yes. And then her, her other daughter sitting here with her in studio. That, to me, just... It gave me chills to hear the story and being a, you know, being a living kidney donor myself, if there's somebody out there that can step up and help this family and help Judy to, yeah. you know, live a little bit of a longer life until she can, you know, she's got a lot going on in her life with her grandkids and, and her, her stepkids and everything. She has a big family and I'm really, really hoping that someone can step up and help her and you know, be a living donor and give her another chance at this life. Yeah, and hearing Lacey talk about the love of her mom and how having lost a brother and having lost her sister, and of course her mom losing a, a son and daughter, right? how close they are. And you do, you do appreciate, you know, again, I can't even wrap my head around her loss, but ha we all have losses. Yeah. And that, what that, which doesn't kill you, truly does make you stronger and makes you appreciate those around you. So we can all learn something from Judy and Lacey. Right. Uh, and now, you know what? I'm joined by some cops because when Jason isn't here, we go into Cops and Robin. He rocks in the treetop all day long, hopping and a-bopping and a-singing his song. All the little birds on Jaybird Street love to hear the robin go tweet, 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 rock and robin. Rock and Robin, please, please. Low Rock and Robin, cause we're really gonna rock up tonight.
Yeah, uh, I love that song, and I love this segment, but I get to be joined by, impromptu now, uh, two prior guests. We have Dr. Ron Rufo, who wrote the great book, Breaking the Barriers. Uh, I think you're on... You were saying a little over a year ago. I think so. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's a little over a year. And yet, I remember it like yesterday because it was a great show, my friend. Oh, we had a great time. I, I love. I, I had a lot of feedback that of uh, some of my friends that heard it and they loved it. So, and we've stayed close, right? Um, and not as close as you and our next guest, Brandon Griffith, who is obviously one of the first ones on our FRN TV show. Oh, we love uh, Brandon Griffith Blue Heart. Uh, you know. I, it's like you died for us because you died <laughs> and now we get this great story we get the aeds to first responders i mean yeah seriously you kind of died for for my sins my friend um so welcome to badge boys both of you thank you guys make me blush over here thanks <laughs> really thanks, and Ooh. i know i kind of hijacked you you guys came down you were going to just sit in the audience watch this incredible interview with judy uh, but i said no 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 you guys are cops and this is cops and robin right <laughs> happy to join and it's all yours oh, okay so now you give me the big job here. That's okay. Right. The first one we've got, guys, the unprecedented arrest of a U.S. president with 37 federal charges. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even going to refer to him by name. We're talking about the 45th president of the United States. Uh, I look at this again. This is a legitimate law enforcement headline. We, have to, we can't ignore it. Uh, it's unprecedented. Um, but I'm concerned on two levels. First, the the political weaponization of our department of justice doj the weaponization of the fbi for political purposes we've seen these things sadly they are real i wish they weren't i wish i didn't sound like i was some kind of political pundit because i'm not i'm so far in the middle it's not even funny uh, i always talk about wanting to be on the fence so i can see both sides clearly but this is without a doubt there's such rancor and venom and true enjoyment to indict the 45th president. We saw it in New York with Bragg, with his clearly political motivated shenanigans. That's a kangaroo um, prosecution, no doubt about it. Here's a problem I have with this case. Even though I look at Hillary Clinton and in 2016 when um, not Mueller, but Comey came out and said, yeah, there's some criminal activity here in terms of culpability. However, we've never prosecuted this. This is not something you would prosecute, uh, especially during an election, blah, blah, blah. And as many people hated what he was saying, I appreciated it. So why am I not hearing it again? I, it's the same thing. It's something that occurred that's criminal, but it's never been prosecuted before. That's called unprecedented, by the way. And so why is it being prosecuted now? Because it's political. But then there's, and then I'll hand it over to my esteemed colleagues who are going to be more articulate than I am on this. The problem I have is I've read the indictment and of those 37 indictments, uh, counts, excuse me, 37 counts, though I have, I think some of them are complete, just, just you know, adding the count adding they're just kind of make it more so you can plead out and that's common i'm sorry i hate to say it but it is uh prosecutors do that they put as many counts as they can so that there's a plea deal kind of thing and and they know that a lot of it's going to be washed away and when the light shines on some other things when there's attorneys privilege type scenarios are in play and, and all sorts of things that will make some of these counts completely go away at the end of the day there is a there there 
I have a concern with the, I don't care who it is, whether it's Hillary Clinton, whether it's Joe Biden, or whether it's the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump, who hold on to classified documents and just don't turn them over. There is no culpability aspect in terms of sentencing and um, arresting, if you will, as it relates to the uh, holding of these documents. It's the refusal to obey subpoenas. It's the refusal to provide them. And this has been a year, even as horrible as I felt about the Hillary Clinton and her destroying her servers, um, just hand over the damn documents. Um, and I just, I just, that's the problem I have. So I think in terms of criminality, there's potential that one of these counts is going to stick. I, that's how I feel. And I just, I, I'm, I, there's a duality I have with this. And how about you, Ron? Well, this is really a tough subject all the way around. It's a shame that, uh, that it's happening to our country. Um, with power comes privilege, and that's what's scary. Um, the first place, I don't think this should have happened. If you're the president of the United States, you're, you set the precedent of what should be done. Um, there's a lot of things I don't agree with. There's a lot of things that happen that we don't know or don't understand because we're never going to be privileged to everything, just like some of the, the cases that we've handled and everything. Not everybody knows all the exact details. That's one thing that we may have an issue with, and I just hope things turn out okay because this is – this was our leader of the country. Of, this was our past president. so Commander-in-chief. Yeah. It really attests to the divide of our country. I mean, looking the way right. it is, it's, it's more now an us versus them than I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's, it's unprecedented. How is this going to affect the elections? Looking in past with back at Nixon and Watergate, I mean, what are we looking at here when it comes to are things going to get pardoned? Is this going to be a circus? How is this going to affect people's voting rights? Like, it, It's a real shame that it's come to this and that it's looking – like it's going to divide us further as a nation. Yeah, how can it not? Because we're already divided. And how can it get worse than this? And so I agree with both of you. I just think what happened in 2016 with Comey should have happened today with um, Garland. He should have came in and said, you know what? This is, there is a there there. However, we're choosing not to prosecute. We're going to get, the, we got the documents and not hurt the country further. Yeah. Agreed. Next one, please. All right. That, that was a tough one. That was a tough one, guys. Woof. NYPD Commissioner Keechan Sewell abruptly resigns after only one year. Yeah, this one surprised me. Uh, I didn't see it. Uh, I didn't hear any telltale signs from some of my, my I don't have a lot of, um, you know, NYPD uh, cops I know, but I, you know, a handful. And I've never heard them talk ill of her, but I've also never heard them say she's running the department. Um, there is some micromanaging going on in New York. There has been for quite a while. Uh, I was hoping that when this new mayor came on board as a retired cop, that it would be better. And I haven't seen that. And he's had nothing but my complete confidence, but not anymore. If you lose a good person like her and she was a good cop, she was a cop's cop. That's, that's one thing I always heard everyone talk about. She was a cop's cop. And for her to resign abruptly like this, Again, I hate to use the common phrase, there's there, there, but there is. There, there, bless her heart, and I just worry about my men and women friends with the NYPD. Something's there that 
again, is behind the scenes that we don't know about. And she's probably the only one that knows, and she's not going to really say. Uh, I just wish her the best of luck, really. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, same here. I'm wishing her luck, and it's just we got to get all the oversight away from law enforcement. We're there to enforce the law. We're there to help people. We're there to serve the community. we got to get rid of the puppets and the strings and the bureaucracy and let cops be cops again. Yeah, they picked the right person for that job, but for her to quit the way she did, I can't help but think she wasn't able to do her job. Well, yeah, catch and release. Come on now, Yeah. right? Why yeah. bother doing your job, right? Okay. All right, moving on. Last one for you guys. Nine people shot during Denver Nuggets NBA championship celebrations. Yeah. I mean, this kind of, I'm going to go back to what uh, my dear friend Brandon was talking about in the first question, how divided we are. You know, any kind of celebration, I hate to say it, is an excuse for people that are angry and hateful and ugly and have a gun to be heard with said gun. And I, Complete signal the uh, sirens in the background. I was going to say, nice, nice job, Darren. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, ha- I have some clout here. Um, <laughs> so having said that, uh, yeah, this is another case of idiots being idiots. You know, this is good for Denver. Um, I used to be a big NBA fan. I They kind of lost me after the 2020 riots. I haven't watched since, quite frankly, because they were right up there with their uh, um, – people hating on cops and until I until I get a formal apology to every single police officer by the NBA I'm not watching anymore but having said that I get if you're watching it's a, a great sport and the Denver Nuggets I think this is their first championship yes first time. okay for, yeah I, I, I hadn't I never remembered one and I remember when Denver Nuggets came that's how old I am I remember when they they introduced the Denver Nuggets to uh, the NBA as a brand new team and uh, so this was a good thing so it, it definitely mars that the the success um, not the success but the celebration if you will uh, it's a shame um, not only were nine shot but I want to say three critically were life's you know, life threatening. And I have no idea how they are today. Uh, but it's a shame. And again, it just goes to show you what divided world we're in where people are so ugly and so angry that even doing something that they should be united with, they're still not. And there's still ugliness in the world. You know what, Darren, it kind of reminds me back in, um, 94, 95, 96, when the, the Chicago bulls won the championships with Michael Jordan and, they said, get your right, get on. And I said, you know, instead of celebrating everybody to be happy here, they were throwing bricks, bottles at us, everything else. I feel sorry for the Denver police because of, I mean, a celebration should be happiness and not, not you have to worry about your life. Yeah. You even worry about going out to celebrate because you don't know if you're coming back home. Yeah. That's, a, that's what, it's just a shame, it's a shock that how many guns are out on the street that shouldn't be. Uh, my philosophy is only police should have guns, but I'm, that's from Chicago, though, where we have thousands there's, there's, of guns out that shouldn't be, but or millions, I should say. But uh, it's just a shame when you're celebrating. It should be for um, thankful for that your team did well. Yeah, and I say yes that even though Suns was one of your victims with the Chicago Bulls, so I'll never forgive you for that. But go ahead, please, Brandon. No, I was hoping the Suns would have made it this year with with Durant and Booker. I was hoping we would have actually made it and got our first franchise championship. But it, it makes me wonder because you know everything is so skewed in the media now. How many of those were actually directly related to the celebrations and in, in downtown? It was almost a mile away. It, it was, but then it's a huge area that's celebrating. Yeah. But it was almost a mile away. So that's a good point. 
Because you never know. Because, I mean, you look at somewhere like Chicago, how many shootings did you guys have over this weekend? <laughs> this could, right, right, right. Yeah, we right. had 34 shootings, it. nine dead. I yeah. mean, it's, it's not like and you Denver to is a big city, so th- this could have been unrelated to the celebration, but in the celebration. Did it just kind of get skewed and brought into Good that? Point. Nine people Good died point. during that during that time when everybody was already celebrating? Did it happen during the actual celebration? Because, yeah, there's like Shannon's lot. People firing guns in the air was one thing, but if they were literally being yeah. like, yeah, our team won and started shooting people, it's – it's kind of hard to conceive. Yeah. So it always makes you wonder how true is the data that's being brought forth because it's so biased nowadays. And I will jump in on this and say it's a shame that we no longer trust the media because we don't. We don't trust yeah. the media. And whether you're left, right, middle, doesn't matter. There's part of the media that you do not trust. How can you? Exactly. In fact, Denzel Washington said it pest. He said, if you're not watching the news, you're not being informed. But if you're watching the news, you're being misinformed. In this day and age, you never know. I mean, back in the days of, you know, like Walter Cronkite and whatnot, it was about reporting the facts. And then as soon as the broadcast company started purchasing the news, it became about ratings, clickbait, who does it first. doesn't matter if it's accurate. You're, you're getting filtered and you're getting biased news reports because they want the attention, the clickbaits, the advertisers, not reporting the facts and letting the American public actually decide things for themselves. Yeah, so the news put that story together being this is related to the celebration. Was it? I don't know. I don't think you'll ever know. Yeah. And that was Cops and Robin. He rocks in the treetop all the day long. Hopping and a bopping and a singing his song. All the little birds on Jaybird Street love to hear the Robin go tweet, tweet, tweet. Rock and Robin. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Rock and Robin. Tweet, tweet. Rock and Robin because we're really going to rock up tonight. And we'll be back with our last segment. Uh, which is Stupid Suspect Stories and a very special inspirational closing message. We'll be right back. More stories, inside guests, and true blue humor coming up on Badge Boys. We'll be back right after this. If you like the Badge Boys, you'll love their books, starting with Burning Shield, the Jason Schechterly story, which Arizona Diamondbacks president Derek Hall proclaimed, Jason is an inspiration and his story must be read and shared. The professionally written novel is a powerful biography chronicling Jason's gut-wrenching battle to health after being trapped in a fireball that consumed his police car and his high-stakes legal showdown against the Ford Motor Company for their explodingly lethal Crown Victoria police cruisers. Then there's Darren's award-winning Twisted But True book trilogy with close to 100 compelling and funny true crime stories that American detectives with Lieutenant Joe Kenda producer called the perfect blend of humor, heroism, and honor. And retired Colonel Dave Grossman declared, Darren's twisted but true books are hilarious, deep, and powerful. Each book in the series received the Pinnacle Award for the best true crime book, and a story from book two was featured on an ID Channel television show. And Robin's most recent book, Soul Stirrings, reviewed as an often humorous and spiritually uplifting story of a widow's soul-searching pilgrimage to the afterlife. Darren called it a love story, a ghost story, an investigative story. It's a story like no other. And Robin's first book, Victim No More, where she shares her harrowing experiences with rape and domestic violence as Robin takes the reader on a very personal journey through the morass of abuse and loss, and ultimately, survival. These Badge Boy books should be on everybody's top 10 reading list. 
You're listening to Badge Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now, back to the Badge Boys. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we have a stupid suspect story, and usually I read them. I'll be honest with you, I read them. I did not bring it or somebody stole my stupid suspect story so uh i know this <laughs> by, that's by okay. heart and it's a pretty good story uh, uh so we have now our stupid suspect story section yeah this headline comes from kentucky uh i wish i could remember the city in kentucky but uh, a gentleman uh, shot his roommate for eating the last hot pocket. That's right. This is absolutely a true story. Uh, the guy's name is Clifton something. Uh, I want to say it's Clifton Marshall, and he's like 64 years old. And Clifton discovered the last hot pocket was missing from the fridge. So what's he do? Uh, well, the first thing he does is uh, grab some loose kitchen tiles, because we all have loose kitchen tiles <laughs> that we can throw at our roommates. And he begins throwing these kitchen tiles at his roommate. Roommate's being bombarded. As he's finishing the hot pocket, I might add, uh, as he's being bombarded, he's trying to get out the door. As he's going out the door, Clifton grabs a gun and shoots him. Want to guess where? Anyone? Anyone? You betcha in the butt. He shot him right in the ass. Uh, so this poor guy <laughs> runs out of the house with, oh. and now let's say this guy's pretty butt hurt. Okay, oh. he is. No, he, no, he is. He is. So he runs away. Uh, police go to the disturbance. They uh, find out there's somebody's been shot. They, they get him to the hospital, and he's gonna live. And sure enough, yeah, he's charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. And he uh, made the news. But you know what I say about this is that. You know, for every type of crime, like Ron said, you know, Dr. Ron nailed it. He said, there's some things we don't know about. What I found out, did some more digging. This was a barbecue hot pocket. This is a mitigating. <laughs> this is a mitigating. Yeah. So, and that is our stupid suspects. Now for the inspirational message. Uh, this goes both with the heroic headline and inspirational message. And I hope he's, you know, give me a little leeway on this because this is not really police related, but I just love this story. Four children have been found alive after surviving a plane crash and spending the next 40 days alone fending for themselves in the Columbia's Amazon jungle. The Columbia's president said the rescue of the siblings, aged 13, 9, 4, and 1, was, quote, a joy for the whole country, end quote. And I say for an entire world, this is an amazing story. It's heroic and it's inspiration because the children became the focus of a huge rescue operation when it was discovered that the plane they were on went down in the rainforest. And again, this happened over a month ago before they were found. The plane crash killed their mother and the two pilots. The rescuers found the plane, but unfortunately, just found the three dead adults. The children were gone. They found a trail that led deeper in the rainforest. Now, keep in mind, the rainforest is home to jaguars, snakes, and so many other predators, not to mention the insects and the mosquitoes and the, and the ants and the killer frogs. And it seems like everything in the rainforest yeah. can kill you. Uh, the children's grandmothers, uh, Fatima Valencia, explained that the oldest child was used to taking care of her siblings when the mother was away at work. So she believed that probably played a huge part in them all being together 
and alive. He was taking care of him. That, to me, is the heroic part at age 13. The grandmom said, quote, I am very grateful to the rescuers and to the Mother Earth as well for keeping them safe and setting them free. Yeah, this is, I don't know if there's a more dangerous area of the world as the rainforest in terms of survival. And for them to survive this is miraculous. I love the heroic aspect of the, the big brother taking care of his, not just in this rescue, right, or in this, um, you know, being lost in a rainforest, but just in life in general, you know, being the big brother or, or big sister. I'm not even positive. It's a, it's a boy. They've spent very little information about the four um, before they get them back to either their, their father, because I want to say there's a divorce family or the or the the grandmother either paternal maternal who knows but these children absolutely are remarkable i hope we hear more about them in the coming days years because this is a beautiful family and i just think it was an inspirational um testament to family and the heroic nature of that the youngest of these siblings so i cannot thank uh dr ron rufel for joining us great to be here. i want to thank both of you too so it was great to be here so and brandon griffith as always you're always welcome as you know uh we just don't aren't going to pay for a chicago plane ticket, so. <laughs> <laughs> i'll fly out anytime for you guys <laughs> and i want to thank robin robin because when we don't have jason she fills his shoes perfectly she is absolutely the heart of Aww. and soul and brains of this outfit yeah. I know, no super glue duct tape, my friend. And I want to thank Dave Pratt for giving us Star Worldwide Networks a platform for Badge Boys. And speaking of Badge Boys, the biggest thanks is to you, the listener, because without you, there is no Badge Boys. So until next week, stay safe. Badge Boys. Thanks for listening to Badge Boys. <laughs> Stories, insights, guests, and true blue humor with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. <laughs> Batch Boys, heard weekly and worldwide on Star Worldwide Networks and all mobile devices. Badge Boys.